The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through outreach, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. Please stand for the reading of God's word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. If you're in kindergarten through fifth grade and you'd like to go to children's church, please join our volunteers over by the Kids Zone sign in the back corner. Thank you, Shay. Um, how good it is to, to look at God's Word um, together. Uh, Let me pray for us as we prepare to do that. God, we thank you for your word. We need it. We um, come to hear from you this morning. We need to hear you speak into our hearts, into our lives. And um, we need to be hearing not from a man um, whom we don't know and... um, doesn't really matter, God, what I would say. What, what matters is that I and all of us need to hear from you. And so would you, by your Holy Spirit, speak to us and teach us that we might know you more, love you more, serve you more where you've placed us. Teach us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I wanted to uh, look with you this morning at a passage where God has been teaching me a lot recently. Um, it is a favorite for many of you. It's a one that's familiar to a lot of us, um, as you just uh, heard Psalm 23 read. Um, but it's been in my life a lot recently. Both of my wife's grandparents, two of the very godliest people I've ever known, have died in the last few weeks. Um, we've just been traveling this weekend with some of their memorial services and Um, And shortly after grandma found out a few weeks ago that she had a terminal cancer diagnosis, she very calmly turned to me and asked me to read to her Psalm 23, uh, a passage that many have looked to for comfort in the valley of the shadow of death, right? Perhaps you're most familiar with hearing it read at funerals. Um, At the other end of life, Um, I have three young girls. I think it's the first passage of Scripture that each of them memorized. Kids love Psalm 23. They've loved the poetry, the beautiful imagery in the psalm. They love singing those words. You may have heard Sammy um, singing them earlier. Uh, It's loved by kids, too. And everywhere in between, it actually speaks there, too. It's not just for funerals. It's not just for young kids. I found these words to be a balm for my soul um, recently um, in the midst of just daily life. 
Anybody else found this to be a stressful season of life in any ways? In any, any stress coming up? Okay, a few of you, maybe. Most of you, it's been totally a normal year, right? 2020 is known for that, for its normalcy. Um, so uh, lately, what it's felt to me like is I'm living in a maze, and I, I just I can't find my way out of it. Um, kind of like this uh, team building activity that I did in middle school at a retreat. Um, they blindfolded all of us. And they put our hand on a rope and they said, try to find your way out of the maze. Find your way to the end of the rope. And when you do, you'll get ice cream. You know, you win and you get ice cream. Except what they had done is they had tied the rope around three trees in an endless triangle. So that all you could do was walk around and around. And and as you held the rope and you kept walking, you would feel one tree and you'd think, this tree feels just like the, I think I've been here before. Um, And I'm not getting anywhere. I'm trying really hard, but I'm just going in circles. That's kind of what I've felt like often lately. Just trying to figure out where to go and and not making it. Uh, We need a fall ministry plan at at our church. And and if I was just a a smart enough pastor, we'd have one. And and it'd be really good. And if if I was woke enough, or, or culturally savvy enough, or visionary enough or concise enough, then our church would just be crushing this new COVID pandemic season and God would be so pleased and everybody around us would be impressed. Um, And maybe in, in your case, a church plant would be taking off in new ways and everybody in the community would be happy and and thrilled to be a part of it. Then I go home and I've got three kids. And, and what do I do as a parent during this, during this season? I mean, how, where should they go to school? And should they wear a mask? And who can they play with? And what can they not do? And, and my head just starts spinning. And there's all these decisions to make. If only I were a creative enough parent, my kids would flourish in this season. And, and the stress is just building all of this in my mind in an effort for me to be enough. All the time feeling quite sure that I'm not enough. And then I remember Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The whole psalm, you just heard her reading it. It's beautiful, memorable. But the first verse is really the best. Honestly, it's the outline of the entire psalm. There's two clauses there that are connected to each other. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. King David, the the shepherd boy himself, anointed to lead God's people, gives us this wonderful image of Yahweh as his shepherd. God is referred to as shepherd many times in the Bible. You probably know that. It's often a picture of his relationship with his people Israel, or you'll hear of Jesus as the good shepherd. But the shepherd's the one who's in charge of the sheep, who owns them, who leads them. Uh, They spend a lot of time together, don't they? Shepherd and, and sheep. As Philip Keller points out in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, this is a unique relationship where it means a mere mortal becomes the cherished object of divine diligence. The cherished object of divine diligence. It means God cares deeply for you. It means He treasures you. It means He fights for you. It means He never stops 
loving you. And, and I say you because, see, I love how David says the Lord is what? My shepherd. God puts these words not just in David's mouth, but, but in the mouths of all his people to sing and worship. You know that's what the Psalms are, right? The hymn book for God's people. So as they get together and they turn to number 23, we sing the Lord is my shepherd. Not merely a shepherd, not merely the best shepherd, but, but wonderfully my shepherd. And what he's wanting us to internalize, to, to take into our hearts is how life-changing that is. Yahweh is my shepherd. The Lord, the same Lord of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, of Moses and David and Esther and Daniel and Ruth and John the Baptist and Paul and uh, Augustine and and Luther, and Calvin, and Corey Ten Boom, and, and Billy Graham, and, and my grandma, and Pop Pop, and, and your beloved relatives who have gone to be with Jesus, um, that same Lord is your shepherd. The one who has been so faithful to them through all of those years, and you've watched Him care for them. He's your shepherd. So the result of that, of having God as your shepherd, is you shall not want. God's been at this shepherding thing for a long time, hasn't He? He's been faithfully shepherding through millennia. He's been through pandemics. He's been through life and death. And He is still my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? To say, I shall not want. It confused my kids, kids that may be confusing to you. Does that mean that I will never want another cookie or, or car or hug? No, that's not what it means. You can still ask for a cookie this afternoon. Um, it means that I will have whatever I need because God knows what I need and is caring for me. Even when things are hard, as we'll See, It means I won't suffer any lack. I won't be inadequately cared for. And therefore, I can find contentment as long as the Lord is my shepherd. As Keller says it, utterly contented in the good shepherd's care and consequently not craving or desiring anything more. Great preacher Charles Spurgeon calls reveling in God as my shepherd the palace of content. I shall not want. Theodosia Howard, an, an Irish woman who followed the Good Shepherd for her 36 years of life in the 1800s, wrote of that little statement, I shall not want. There is a peace and fullness of expression in this little sentence known only to the sheep. The remainder of the psalm is a drawing out of this. In the unfolding, we find repose, refreshment, restoring mercies, guidance, peace in death, triumph, an overflowing of blessings, future confidence, eternal security in life or death. How can we want when united to Him? How can we want when united to Him? It's a good question I want us to come back to in a few minutes, but... But first, let's look through the rest of the psalm briefly as some of the ways God 
cares for us as our shepherd. I'm not going to say everything, but what I'd encourage you to do as we walk through it just for a few minutes is to jot down or think of ways that God has cared for you like this. How has he been your shepherd so that you shall not want? Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Lush, filling green grass to nourish. Still water, slow enough to drink and be at peace while you do. That's something I learned recently from Philip Keller. I mentioned his book, A Shepherd Looks at at Psalm 23. He was a shepherd for several years and, and writes about those experiences. He says, sheep don't lie down very often. In fact, in order for sheep to lie down, they have to be free from fear, from tensions, from aggravations, and from hunger. I kind of thought that sounds like that's true of, of me if I'm going to, to sleep. But it's especially true for sheep. And God, as the shepherd of His people, works to develop land to feed me where I can lie down and rest. Psalm 4, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Protected from my greatest enemies because sin and even death can't take me from God and His goodness. Fed by His Word and Spirit, I can rest contented, lacking nothing. Verse 3, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. See, there are times of difficulty, aren't there? It's not all just, just easy going all the time. David knows that very well. The picture um, when you need a sheep to be restored is of a sheep that's cast down, stuck on its back, unable to free itself. Maybe you've seen a picture of a, of a sheep like that. It's, it's pretty humorous. Um, you'll, you'll see the sheep on its back with like all fours in the air. And if it's a video, they're kicking and flailing and the sheep is just lying there on its back, stuck. They call it cast down. Perhaps like when you're in a season of dryness and you, and you just can't free yourself from it. How, how foolish I think sometimes I must look to God when, when He comes and, and sees me just struggling and flailing around and not getting anywhere. So how do you think He feels about you when He comes upon you like that? When God looks down and sees you stuck and, and flailing all four legs, He doesn't scorn us when we're cast down, does he? He doesn't mock us or abandon us because we got ourselves into this mess wandering off on our own. Rather, he, he sympathizes. He stoops down and he raises us up. He restores our souls. Spurgeon again, when the soul grows sorrowful, he revives it. When it is sinful, He sanctifies it. When it is weak, He strengthens it. Time and time and time again, doesn't He? He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You know, I keep having this experience in this season where I kind of figure out what should happen next and I know what I ought to do or what we as a church ought to do. And every time it happens, it, I immediately find out that's wrong. 
no, that's not going to work. We need to do something else. We need to go a different direction. Um, can we just acknowledge together how much we need a guide? Can we be honest about that? We need someone who knows the terrain that we don't know even when we pretend to know. There's a way that seems right to a man and, and lots of ways that, that seem right to sheep that end poorly. But if we remember that we have a shepherd, we follow where he leads us. Because the Lord is your shepherd, someone is in control of this crazy mess we're living in. Someone who knows where it's all headed. In fact, who's writing this glorious story where he's making all things new. This is all somehow going somewhere glorious. And so he's someone you can trust. How else is God our shepherd so that we shall not want? I love verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff have many uses, um, but they speak to the control and the care of the shepherd. The comfort of the sheep is to look up and, and see that the shepherd is present with them. To know the rod that protects from predators and, and rules the flock. The staff that directs them where they should go often by redirecting them, pulling one back in. Um, therein is comfort, even in the darkest places that he will redirect. God's not merely present in every situation, but he's in control of our lives. In every situation, caring for his sheep and for our best. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows a feast we've been welcomed to and, and readied for with, with all the external threats addressed. Isn't it amazing how, how God so lavishly provides beyond what we deserve to remind us of, of His overflowing delight in us, that He really loves us and likes us if we'll just stop and realize what He's doing in our lives. Verse 6, of course, gloriously takes this beyond this life. Um, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is speaking to the covenant character of God. It means that He clings to you, that He pursues you, that, that you can't get away from Him even if you try. Goodness and mercy are there pursuing you. I picture two toddlers and, and everywhere mom goes, goodness and mercy are there. She can't get away from them to get a breath and think her own thoughts for one second. There's goodness and mercy all the time because they're constantly pursuing her. That's the way God is with his goodness and mercy. The only shepherd who never slumbers nor sleeps as he watches over his people. So even in great distress... Even on your deathbed, you lack nothing. There's not one more thing you have to do and maybe things will go well and I'll get in with God. Or No, you will dwell in His house forever. Yahweh, your shepherd, has a home where you dwell forever so that not even death can separate you from His love. Amen? 
Not even death. Nothing can separate you from his love. He's got it all covered. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is enough. If I'm united to Jesus, made a a sheep of God in his flock, the sheep of his pasture, I am enough. I don't lack anything. I couldn't possibly because God delights in me as he does in Jesus, right? I'm the cherished object of divine diligence. The Lord is my shepherd. And yet I've already shared with you that I forget that. When we live, I feel like many of us live with this this false belief that we're not enough. That we're inadequate. That we don't measure up. That as a result, we'd better control our lives and try to do enough to be enough. I don't know Chattanooga really well. For me, growing up in Memphis, it was always this place you could go do cool things. There's so many neat things around here. It was where the state tournaments for all of our high school sports were. There's a lot of really wonderful and really intelligent and capable people in Chattanooga. I think it's a lot like Huntsville where I live now, and a culture around you where it is very easy to feel like you'd better perform well if you want to hang out with these people. If you want to be able to keep up, you better work hard. You better achieve. You better perform. And you better be enough. No matter what you do or no matter how old you are, there's a, there's a standard. And you feel this extra pressure just in our society to be enough. I told you earlier some of my recent struggles trying to do enough to be enough. Those are my version of of things you might feel like needing to have a 4.0 GPA or wear a size zero or have enough zeros at the end of your bank account to be enough. We're dealing as a culture with stress and anxiety and Anger and more at at record levels. This was even before COVID. We were already dealing with these things. All in an effort to do enough to be enough. We literally won't rest until we are smart enough, rich enough, pretty enough, in enough, athletic enough, spiritual enough, involved enough, successful enough, busy enough even. And God would say to us this morning, stop, rest. I am your shepherd. You lack nothing. But we want to be the shepherds, don't we? We want to be the ones in control. We we walk out of our palace of content to make our own way. And we see the results. If the Lord is not your shepherd, you will define your adequacy in terms of performance, says Pastor Anthony Bradley. Your career, your salary, your kids, your vacation, or something else will define your adequacy. These things will tell you if you're enough. They'll try to be your shepherd if God is not. i got to be honest with you, sheep are notoriously bad shepherds. They they don't do well 
for themselves, on their own, in control of themselves, they often end up, like I mentioned earlier, uh, stuck, uh, helpless, defenseless. Philip Keller tells story after story from from his years as a shepherd of of sheep who insisted on going it alone and, and, and to their own harm, looking for grass that was greener than where their shepherd had brought them. And how he had to pull them back time and again, but But sheep thrive when they stay close to their shepherd. When he puts his staff even against the side of a sheep on on treacherous ground and reassures it of his presence, of his watchful care. We shall not want because, what does the psalm tell us? He provides. He leads. He guides. He restores. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, not mine. The reason that blindfolded team building activity was called team building was that it was supposed to teach you to ask for help. The whole goal was that you would hopefully quickly um, learn that you needed to stop and raise your hand and ask for help. And, and if you did, you win and you get ice cream. See, no one ever found the way to the end of the rope because it was a continuous loop. And so the question was, when would you be willing to acknowledge that? For me, it took quite a while. I'm stubborn, self-sufficient, prideful. I know none of y'all are. Um, But if you were finally willing to stop being the shepherd, the one who was going to figure it out for himself, and be a sheep, they would gently take you by the shoulders and lead you to the ice cream. Took your blindfold off, and you got to watch everybody else being stuck. But I'd ask you to just ask yourself this morning, how are you trying to be your own shepherd? How are you trying to do enough to be enough? How are you trying to maintain control of your life instead of trusting the good control of your shepherd? And, and I mean specifically, functionally, what, what guides you down which paths you go? Is it something you've read on the internet recently? If you were honest, would you say, the blog is my shepherd? The most recent charts I've looked at, the news, um, I'm always saying, have I read enough? Is there something other, some other input I can give? And, and what will happen if I make the wrong decision because I haven't gotten enough information Friend, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Young people, um, you can do this over one test. I've done it before many times. I've been there with my own kids recently. Um, You can begin to believe this lie that if I miss this one question on this one test, what's going to happen is my grade in this class is going to drop, thus ruining my GPA, thus I will not get into college, therefore I will never get the job that I want and will find my life to have been defined as an utter failure. What am I going to do, Dad? A 97? And the stress and the anxiety builds because we're believing this this lie that I'm not enough and I won't be enough. Friend, if that's you, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. I think in some ways it's harder than ever before to rest, to trust ourselves to our good shepherd, to believe we're enough just because we are his. You might have one of these. 
Um, you may have Facebook or, or Instagram and, and, and your friends and your own heart that are telling you if you just, if you just scroll up you know, and keep scrolling, it says you're not enough. You're missing out. You need something else to be enough. You better figure it out soon. And every time, every time you scroll, there's another message. And God's Word says you lack nothing. I am your shepherd. You lack nothing. I am your shepherd. You lack nothing. Which voice does your heart listen to more? Which voice are you listening to and believing? Martin Luther would say it to us this way. Do not follow the world in this matter, nor your own reason, which because it judges according to outward appearances, becomes a fool and considers the prophet a liar for saying, I shall not want. You, however, cling to God's word and promises. Listen to your shepherd, however and whatever he says to you. Judge according to his voice and not according to what your eyes see and your heart feels. Then you have gained the victory. That's the point of, of this psalm. To press deeply into our hearts the reality and the result of the Lord being my shepherd. It's a truth that God's people are to rest in, to rejoice over, to sing about. Our good shepherd loves us beyond what we can imagine. He, he shaped us in our mother's womb. He feeds us and clothes us with exactly what we need. He calls us by name and even does what? He lays down his life for us on the cross so that we will be safe with him forever. And in the meantime, He promises never to leave us, but always to be with us. He's such a good shepherd. May we never want another. I want you to say that verse with me before we finish. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sometimes speaking it to ourselves helps us believe it differently. Will you say that with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Maybe one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's pray. God, we can say those words. Um, would you help us believe them? Would you help them to become not just uh, biblical truisms for us, but things that shape the way we live this week? And the King of love my shepherd is, who's Goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am His and He is mine forever. Would you help Restoration Church to believe that? You've put them in a place where, where that's a, a glorious message that the, the culture and the, the people in their neighborhood and in the city need to hear. They have good news to share that there's a shepherd that good. There's a community that's longing for a shepherd like that and doesn't even know that, that that's you, Jesus. And so I pray they'd believe it, that their joy and delight would be in it, and that they would share it because it's such good news. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.